Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, Contrasting Advents. When you hear the word Advent, what comes to your mind? The word simply means the arrival of a notable person or a notable event. Many will think of the birth of Jesus to Mary of Nazareth. We call this the first Advent. Yet there is an Advent still to come. The child that was born to Mary in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago grew into manhood and in his prime was crucified, dead, and buried. However, three days later he rose from the dead and after 40 days he ascended to heaven. But he who descended to earth and later ascended is scheduled to return to planet earth. Thus the child of Bethlehem is now in heaven as the man, Messiah Jesus, but he is destined to return to this planet in a glorious second advent. His divine re-entry into our world will be in sharp contrast at several points from his first coming. When Jesus was born of Mary, he came into this world as a helpless infant born in the midst of obscurity and poverty. His coming was in humiliation. However, when he returns, his coming will be in power and great glory. Here is his own description recorded in Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Jesus is now highly exalted in heaven. He is at the Father's right hand. His second advent will confirm all of his claims. It will manifest to all the earth the glory with which he is invested. The first time Jesus entered into the world was to identify with sinners and to take to himself their guilt and punishment. He was born to die for our sins so that we might live. Of his first advent, John writes in John three seventeen and following, For God did not send his Son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. How Jesus saved sinners was so close, was to closely identify with them to such an extent that he took their sins and burdens upon himself. He bore their sins in his own body on the tree, 1 Peter 2.24. In doing so, he handled the sin problem. Now all those who come to God by him find eternal life, and they shall never perish. Jesus took their judgment and bore away God's wrath. All others who remain in their unbelief were and are condemned by their unbelief. Jesus' first advent was a rescue mission for sinners. The author of Hebrews informs us in Hebrews nine twenty-seven following. Just as it was appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. When Christ returns, it will be without reference to sin that he had previously borne away. He comes not to handle the sin question, but to complete the redemption of his own. He will set in righteous judgment on all others. Charles Wesley's hymn captures both these aspects. Lo, he comes with clouds descending, once for favored sinners slain. Thousand, thousand saints attending, swell the triumph of his train. Alleluia, alleluia. God appears on earth to reign. 
Every eye shall now behold him, robed in dreadful majesty. Those who said it naught and sold him, pierced and nailed him to the tree. Deeply wailing, deeply wailing, shall the true Messiah see. Another contrast in the two advents is the nature of Messiah Jesus' body. In his first advent, the incarnation, the Word veiled his eternal glory in human flesh. In fact, the Word became flesh. He assumed to himself the body of fallen humanity, that is to say, subject to weakness and capable of death. He took on mortal flesh. But now, following his death under the curse that we deserve, and then by his glorious resurrection and ascension, his flesh is glorified. His body, post-resurrection and ascension, is immortal. When he comes again, he will appear in all his glorious beauty. Paul writes in Philippians 3, We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. When the Word was incarnate, Jesus came in deep humiliation. He identified with sinners so that he could save them from their sin and its just punishment. His humiliation extended to the bitter death on the cross. At his first coming, Jesus suffered a bitter agony and the shame of crucifixion. He died in stark nakedness before a gaping crowd with blood-drenched hands and feet. But his shame has been exchanged for glory in his victory. He will come again not in shame, but in glorious pomp. The burden and the gore of the cross will give way to the crown of rejoicing and glory. When Jesus came the first time, he told his human judge, the Roman governor Pilate, that his kingdom was not of this world, John eighteen thirty six. But when he returns, he will cast down all other kingdoms and will establish his own eternal kingdom. In so doing, he will make heaven and earth one reality. As we read in Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. At his return, Jesus will be concerned with the final judgment and the issues of eternity will be plainly manifest to all. Here is Jesus' own description recorded in John chapter 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Now that's referenced primarily to the fact that even now Christ bestows eternal life on those who believe. This is through regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, And he has given him, that is, the Father, has given to Jesus authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming, this is the future, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who've done good to the resurrection of life and those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. 
Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he is passed from death to life. And Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. To the Thessalonians, Paul wrote, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-10 The hymn writer, Joseph Tritton, expresses the contrast in the two advents in these words. Behold, he comes, the glorious king, whom once a cross upbore, let saints redeemed his praises sing, and angel hosts adore. The reed, the purple, and the thorn are lost in triumph now. His person robes of light adorn, and crowns of gold his brow. Dear Lord, no more despised, disown, a victim bound and slain. But in the power of God enthroned, you do return to reign. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. The next time, keep looking up, for our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed.